Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station, a place to sit back and relax while you're waiting for your train to board. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. This is a special series, a field guide for Christian leaders. We're reaching back over 1,500 years to bring you a leadership classic from St. Gregory the Great, a week-by-week look at timeless wisdom from the past. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Book 1, Chapter 3. Adversity is good for the heart. Two old gardeners were talking. You put manure on your strawberries? Nope, I prefer whipped cream. We are so allergic to trouble. But what if we're strawberries and trouble is like manure, the only thing that can ensure that we grow? Now, it's not that we go out looking for adversity, but it might make us a little less impressed when things go well. Gotta watch out when things are going smoothly. That stuff can cause trouble if we let it. And now, the Lexeme of the day. Perdition. (laughs) It's not exactly a trendy word, but it is our Lexeme of the day. St. Gregory uses it in a couple of ways. First, in the sense of eternal judgment, he went to perdition, would be similar to saying he went to hell. Second, though, he uses the term to mean total destruction. Yes, I suppose ultimately they mean the same thing, but the second use refers more to the process than the results. Gregory uses the term in both ways, and in this chapter, it's the second sense of the term. So, we don't like to think of judgment as the natural consequence of our sins, but that idea shows up throughout, well, throughout the writings across the scope of church history. And really, it only fell out of fashion in the last couple of centuries. So, let's see what Gregory has to say in The Field Guide for Christian Leaders. The burden of leadership and how we can't be distracted by adversity or impressed with prosperity. Much of what we've addressed so far considers the weight of church leadership to warn those who are not spiritually fit for the task that they discredit Christ and to warn those who see it as a way to get ahead that this is the route to perdition. James lovingly warns us that not many of you should seek to be teachers. James 3.1. Even Jesus, the one mediator between God and men, the one person who in all history was fit for the task, did not pursue an earthly kingdom. Scripture records that when people were on the brink of taking him by force and making him king, he went away into solitude. John 6.15. No one else would have made a better king. He had created all those that he would have reigned over. But that was not the reason that he took on human flesh. He came not only to save us through his suffering on the cross, but to teach us by the kind of life he lived. He offered himself as an example to his followers. He did not let them make him king, but he did let them take him to the cross. He turned away from the glory that was offered to him and chose a humiliating death. This was so that his followers would learn to turn from the pomp and circumstance and honor of the world to fear nothing the world can dish out and to love adversity for the sake of truth. 
In fact, he taught us to fear prosperity because it can so easily pro provoke us to vainglory. Our mind seems to look for every opportunity to puff itself up with pride. Suffering and adversity seems to be the only cure for that. And it makes us forget our human accomplishments and reminds us of what we are. Finally, God can use adversity to purify us from long-standing faults. Adversity, when we submit to being disciples, takes us from being proud of how much progress we've made to how lowly we are in the presence of God's glory. Consider the example of King Saul. He fled and hid out of his own sense of unworthiness. But as soon as he became king, he became proud. In fact, he wanted to be held in honor by the people he led and refused to take personal responsibilities for his actions. Those attitudes led him to cut himself off, even from the one who had anointed him king over Israel. King David was pleasing to God in almost everything he did. When David relaxed his heart and let his pride run, what happened? He was overcome with lust for the woman he had seen. He was overcome with cruelty as he sought to fix the situation. He even killed the more honorable man with no hesitation. He eagerly sought to kill the woman's husband and thought it was good when he succeeded. This David was the same man who was unwilling to strike down King Saul when the opportunity presented itself, and now his army was weary as he sought the death of a devoted soldier. David would have gone on like that, separating himself more and more from God, but the harsh rebuke of God's prophet brought him back to the place of pardon. <laughs> It's time to stand before the Mirror of Truth. Well, there it is, Book 1, Chapter 3. Here, Gregory shows us that we need constant correction. Even if we're in a position of leadership, we can be overwhelmed by our pride. And he gives us a few biblical examples of how that can happen and how it can be avoided. This time, before you pick up the Mirror of Truth, take a look at the Holy perfect glory of God. Then, and only then, look at yourself. And if you like what you see, well, sorry, you're delusional. Ask yourself, do you love the Lord more than you love your good circumstances? That's not a one-time question, so keep that mirror handy. We have to ask that in good times and in bad, and keep our hearts focused on Him. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. As the train boards and rolls on to its next destination, we hope you found your time here helpful. The paraphrase of St. Gregory's work, along with supporting content, was developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson. As always, our sound engineer is Brick Martin. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. And the closing music is from Javier Cugat, Brazil. Great Ridge Station is a service of Great Ridge Group, LLC. Stay with us on this. We're eagerly awaiting your next visit to Great Ridge Station. <laughs>